Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the God TV radio live stream here on TTOR. I am TTOR, and to the other side of me is none other than Brett Keen. Hey, TTOR. How you doing, man? I am doing good. This stream was kind of impromptu for multiple reasons. One, I was helping my church set up a fireworks tent in town, and I didn't know if I'd have the time or energy to do a stream today. And then when I got home and I realized I could do a stream, I thought Brett was having his show today because of the listing he had on his site until I realized he had it scheduled for next week, not today. So here we are on TTOR. Well, I did originally have it set for this Friday, but I was in such a terrible mood with all this stuff going on with Trump and the indictment and all that. I just felt like I would have been a party pooper. But seeing you hosting and always coming up with topics, I figured that'd cheer me up. Well, hopefully this stream will cheer you up because I'm definitely not going to be talking about the Trump indictments, at least not for the next hour <laughs> or however long it takes me to read through the book of Esther. You see, for a long time, I thought about doing videos where I just read the Bible or read something straight up. And I just figured today's the day to do it. And so I'm going to take a nice short book like the book of Esther, and we're going to read through the whole thing. So this is basically just a chance for anyone watching the stream to kick back, relax, and listen to the Bible get read for a while. And then after I'm done reading through the book of Esther, we'll probably have something to say about it. And then I'll open up the room for anyone who's interested, assuming, of course, there's anyone left at that point. <laughs> but anyway, let Sounds me get like that pulled up now. Indeed it is, Brett. Just got to find my screen share. Okay, so that's the one I need. Actually, you know, I'm going to copy this. Hold on. I'm just going to keep it all in one browser today. Let's see. Okay, present screen share. Wabuski. All right, so we can see the tab. Cool. You're seeing Esther 1, right? Sorry, I was looking at my OBS, but I can definitely see it. Looks nice. All right, sweet. So anyway, Esther chapter 1. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes, the Xerxes who ruled over the 127 provinces stretching from India to Kush. At that time, King Xerxes resigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa, and in the third year... Oh, I read that wrong. At that time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa, and in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials. The military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and the nobles of the provinces, were present. For the full 180 days... so six months <laughs> for the full six months he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty when these days were over the king gave a banquet lasting seven days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. the garden had hangings of white and blue linen fastened with cords of white linen and purple material to silver rings on marble pillars there were couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of Porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. 
Wine was served in goblets of gold, each one different from the other, and the royal wine was abundant in keeping with the king's liberality. By the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink with no restrictions, for the king instructed the wine, all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. And every frat party at every college said, right on. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. On the seventh day, when King Xerxes was in high spirits from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him, Mehuman, Biztha, Harbona, Bigtha, Abagtha, Zether, and Carcass, to bring before him Queen Vashti, wearing her royal crown, in order to display her beauty to the people and nobles, for she was lovely to look at. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. The, then the king became furious and burned with anger. Since it was customary for the king to consult experts in matters of law and justice, he spoke with the wise men who understood the times and were closest to the king. Karshina, Shether, Admatha, Tarshish, Miris, Marsena, and Memukin, the seven nobles of Persia and Media who had special access to the king and were highest in the kingdom. According to law, what must be done to Queen Vashti, he asked. She has not obeyed the command of King Xerxes that the eunuchs have taken to her. Then Memukin replied in the presence of the king and the nobles, Queen Vashti has done wrong, not only against the king, but also against all the nobles and the peoples of all the provinces of Xerxes. For the queen's conduct will become known to all the women, and so they will despise their husbands and say, King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she would not come. This very day, the Persian and Median women of the nobility who have heard about the queen's conduct will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. Therefore, if it pleases the king, let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, which cannot be repealed, that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. Also, let the king give her royal position to someone else who is better than she. Then, when the king's edict is proclaimed throughout all this, his vast realm, all the women will respect their husbands from the least to the greatest. The king and his nobles were pleased with this advice, so the king did as Memukin proposed. He sent dispatches to all parts of the kingdom, to each province in its own script, and to each people in their own language, proclaiming that every man should be ruler over his own household using his native tongue. Later, when King Xerxes' fury had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed about her. Then the king's personal attendants proposed, Let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful young women into the harem at the citadel of Susa. Let them be placed under the care of Hegai, the king's eunuch who is in charge of the women, and let beauty treatments be given to them. Then let the young women young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This advice appealed to the king and he followed it. Now there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew from the tribe of Benjamin named Mordecai, son of Jer, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This young woman, who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. 
Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. When the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther also was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who had charge of the harem. She pleased him and won his favor. Immediately, he provided her with her beauty treatments and special food. He assigned to her seven female attendants selected from the king's palace and moved her and her attendants into the best place in the harem. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Every day, he walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Before a young woman's term came to go into King Xerxes, she had to complete 12 months, 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed for the women, six months with oil of myrrh and six with perfumes and cosmetics. And this is how she would go to the king. Anything she wanted was given to, given her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening, she would go there and in the morning return to another part of the harem to the care of Shashgaz, the king's eunuch who was in charge of the concubines. She would not return to the king unless he was pleased with her and summoned her by name. When the term came for Esther, the young woman Mordecai had adopted, the daughter of his uncle, Abihel, to go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch who was in charge of the harem, suggested. And Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence in the tenth month, the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. Now, the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. When the virgins were assembled a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, but Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality, just as Mordecai had told her to do, for she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. During the time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, became angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And when the report was investigated and found to be true, the two officials were impaled on poles. All this was recorded in the Book of the Annals in the presence of the king. After these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of Hamadetha, the Agagite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him, but Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. When the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Therefore they told Haman about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated, for he had told them he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. Well, that escalated quickly. 
In the twelfth year of King Xerxes, in the first month, the month of Nisan, the pur, that is the lot, was cast in the presence of Haman to select a day and month. And the lot fell on the twelfth month, the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, There is a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of all other people, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them, and I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. So the king took his signet ring from his finger and gave it to Haman, son of Hamadetha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. Keep the money, the king said to Haman, and do with the people as you please. Then on the thirteenth day of the first month, the royal secretaries were summoned. They wrote out in the script of each province and in the language of each people all Haman's orders to the king's satraps, the governors of the various provinces, and the nobles of the various peoples. These were written in the name of King Xerxes himself and sealed with his own ring. Dispatches were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews, young and old, women and children, on a single day, the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so they would be ready for that day. The couriers went out, spurred on by the king's command, and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. The king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was bewildered. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's eunuchs and female attendants came and told her about Mordecai, she was in great distress. She sent clothes for him to put on instead of his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs assigned to attend her, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But thirty days have passed since I was called to go to the king. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. 
Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom it will be given to you. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king, together with Haman, come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. Bring Haman at once, the king said, so that we may do what Esther asks. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. As they were drinking wine, the king again asked Esther, Now what is your petition? It will be given to you. And what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Esther replied, My petition and my request is this. If the king regards me a favor, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. Haman went out that day happy and in high spirits, but when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. Calling together his friends and Zeresh, his wife, Haman boasted to him about his vast wealth, his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored him and how he had elevated him above all the other nobles and officials. And that's not all, Haman added. I am the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave, and she has invited me along with the king tomorrow. But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see that Jew Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. His wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, Have a pole set up reaching to a height of 50 cubits and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai impaled on it. Then go to the king with go with the king to the banquet and enjoy yourself. This suggestion suggestion delighted Haman, and he had the pole set up. That night the king could not sleep, so he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. It was found recorded there, there that Mordecai had exposed Bithana and Teresh to the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this? The king asked. Nothing has been done for him, his attendants answered. The king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about impaling Mordecai in the pole he had set up for him. His attendants answered, Haman is standing in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. When Haman entered, the king asked him, What should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought to himself, Who is there that the king would rather honor than me? So he answered the king, For the man the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest placed on its head. Then let the robe and horse be entrusted to the one to one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. 
Go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe and the horse and do just as you have suggested for Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Do not neglect anything you have recommended. So Haman got the robe and the horse. He robed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming before him, This is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Afterward, Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman rushed home with his head covered in grief and told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had happened to him. His advisors and his wife Zeresh said to him, Since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. You will surely come to ruin. While they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried Haman away to the banquet Esther had prepared. So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet, and as they were drinking wine on the second day, the king again asked, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will be given to you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people, this is my request, for I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, who is he? Where is he? The man who has dared to do such a thing. Esther said, an adversary and enemy, this vile Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. The king got up in a rage, left his wine, and went out into the palace garden. But Haman, realizing that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, Will he even molest the queen while she is with me in the house? As soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, A pole reaching to a height of 50 cubits stands by Haman's house. He had it set up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. The king said, Impale him on it. So they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. Of course it did. That same day, King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came into the presence of the king, for Esther had told him had told how he was related to her. The king took off his signet ring, which he had reclaimed from Haman, and presented it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed him over Haman's estate. Esther again pleaded with the king, falling at his feet and weeping. She begged him to put an end to the evil plan of Haman the Agagite, which he had devised against the Jews. Then the king extended the gold scepter to Esther, and she rose and stood before him. If it pleases the king, she said, and if he regards me with favor and thinks it the right thing to do, and if he is pleased with me, let an order be written overruling the dispatches that Haman son of Hamadatha the Agagite devised and wrote to destroy the Jews in all the king's provinces. For how can I bear to see disaster fall on my people? How can I bear to see the destruction of my family? King Xerxes replied to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Because Haman attacked the Jews, I have given his estate to Esther, and they have impaled him on the pole he set up. 
Now write another decree in the king's name in behalf of the Jews as seems best to you and seal it with the king's signet ring. For no document written in the king's name and seal of his ring can be revoked. At once the royal secretaries were summoned. On the 23rd day of the third month, the month of Zeban, they wrote out all Mordecai's orders to the Jews and to the satraps, governors and nobles of the 127 provinces stretching from India to Kush. These orders were written in the script of each province and the language of each people, and also to the Jews in their own script and language. Mordecai wrote in the name of King Xerxes, sealed the dispatches with the king's signet ring, and sent them by mounted couriers who rode fast horses, especially bred for the king. The king's edict granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and protect themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate the armed men of any nationality or province who might attack them and their women and children, and to plunder the property of the enemies. The day appointed for the Jews to do this in all the provinces of King Xerxes was the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers riding the royal horses went out spurred on by the king's command and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. When Mordecai left the king's presence, he was wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold, and a purple robe of fine linen. And the city of Susa held a joyous celebration for the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor. In every province and in every city to which the edict of the king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews with feasting and celebrating. And many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear and the Jews had fear of the Jews had seized them. Oh, come on. There we go. On the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, the edict commanded by the king was to be carried out. On this day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but now the tables were turned and the Jews got the upper hand over those who hated them. The Jews assembled in their cities in all the provinces of King Xerxes to attack those determined to destroy them. No one could stand against them because the people of all the other nationalities were afraid of them. And all the nobles of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and the king's administrators helped the Jews because of because fear of Mordecai had seized them. Mordecai was prominent in the palace. His reputation spread throughout the provinces, and he became more and more powerful. The Jews struck down all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them, and they did what they pleased to those who hated them. In the citadel of Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. They also killed... Parsh, uh, Handatha, Dalphin, Aspatha, Paratha, Adalia, Aridatha, Parama, Parmashita, <laughs> Ariasai, Aridai, and Vizatha, the ten sons of Haman, son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, but they did not lay their hands on the plunder. The number of those killed in the citadel of Susa was reported to the king that same day. The king said to Queen Esther, The Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men and the 10 sons of Haman in the citadel of Susa. What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is your petition? It will be given to you. What is your request? It will also be granted. If it pleases the king, Esther answered, Give the Jews in Susa permission to carry out this day's edict tomorrow also, and let Haman's 10 sons be impaled on poles. So the king commanded that this be done. An edict was issued in Susa, and they impaled the ten sons of Haman. 
The Jews in Susa came together on the 14th day of the month of Adar, and they put to death in Susa 300 men, but they did not lay hands on the plunder. Meanwhile, the remainder of the Jews who were in the king's provinces also assembled to protect themselves and get relief from their enemies. They killed 75,000 of them, but did not lay their hands on the plunder. This happened on the 13th day of the month of Adar, and on the 14th day rested and made it a day of feasting and joy. The Jews in Susa, however, had assembled on the 13th and 14th, and then on the 15th they rested and made it a day of joy and feasting and joy. This is why rural Jews, those living in villages, observed the 14th of the month of Adar as a day of joy and feasting, a day for giving presents to each other. Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes near and far to have them celebrate annually the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar as the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies and as the month when their sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning into a day of celebration. He wrote them to observe the days as feast days of feasting and joy and giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews agreed to continue the celebration they had begun, doing what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and had cast the pur, that is the lot, for their ruin and destruction. But when the plot came to the king's attention, he issued written orders that the evil scheme Haman had devised against the Jews should come back on his own head. And that he and his sons should be impaled on poles. Therefore, these days were called Purim, from the word Pur, because of everything written in this letter and because of what they had seen and what had happened to them. The Jews took it on themselves to establish the custom that they and their descendants and all who joined them should, without fail, observe these two days every year in the way prescribed and at the time appointed. These days should be remembered and observed in every generation by every family and in every province and in every city. And these days of Purim should never fail to be celebrated by the Jews, nor should the memory of these days die out among their descendants. So Queen Esther, daughter of Abihail, along with Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm the second letter concerning Purim. And Mordecai sent letters to all the Jews in the 127 provinces of Xerxes' kingdom, words of goodwill and assurance, to establish these days of Purim as, at their designated times. As Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had decreed for them, and as they had established for themselves and their descendants in regard to their times of fasting and lamentation, Esther's degree, decree confirmed these regulations about Purim, and it was written down in the records. King Xerxes imposed tribute throughout the empire to its distant shores, and all his acts of power and might together with a full account of the greatness of Mordecai, whom the king had appointed, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Media and Persia? Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Xerxes, preeminent among the Jews, and held in high esteem by his many fellow Jews because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up to the wealth for the welfare of all the Jews. And that, ladies and germs, is the entire... Uh... Oh, whoops. Somehow Brett went missing. <laughs> and that, ladies and germs, is the entire book of Esther, read to you in 30 minutes. I wonder if that's some kind of record. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry, TTOR. I was listening and all that, but it crashed on me. I forgot that Chrome has issues. I thought because you were hosting, I wouldn't have a problem. 
lot of killing uh, in that uh, story that you you put forth. Goodness gracious, seventy five thousand men here. I was like, dang, hanging people up. Yeah, when people have made movies about the Book of Esther, they tend to stop the movie around the part where Haman is killed and the decree is rolled back. They tend not to portray what happened after the fact. Because <laughs> that part of the story is not for children. Well, I'll tell you what, the story that you just read, it uh, kind of reminds me a lot of Ruth. You hear a lot of folks out there say that Christianity and Judaism is a male-oriented deal, but women did some powerful stuff, made some big moves, didn't they, in the Bible? Yes, they did. I thought it was interesting, though, because most people kind of gloss over this when they read the book of Esther. They thought that Haman just you know, wanted to kill all the Jews because he hated all Jews. But that little detail where it explained his logic, it wasn't that he wanted to kill all the Jews. It's just that he was mad at one Jew, Mordecai, and thought it was appropriate to kill every Jew <laughs> as a response to his anger towards one Jewish man. Very interesting stuff indeed. And did I get this right? It was simply because the guy wasn't bowing or showing like that kingly respect. So he felt they all had to die. That's exactly what it was because Haman was in a position of honor above pretty much everyone else in the kingdom, save for the king and queen. And basically he had loved the worship he was getting but because one man who happens to follow a God that says you're not to bow down and worship any man, because one man refused to bow down and worship him, he decided, well, you know what? I'm not just going to kill him. I'm going to kill all his people because I like to escalate things. <laughs> well, we can see that throughout history where men get angry when they prefer to be worshipped over actual God and people start dying, don't they? Yep. I mean, that would have happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they refused to worship the statue of Nebuchadnezzar that was made of gold. Fortunately for them, though, God decided to step in and uh, not let that happen. <laughs> I thought it would be appropriate to change the logo on my video there since uh, you're hosting God TV Radio. <laughs> oh, by the way, did you get the links in the private chat? I see links, yes. I did not look at them, though, because I was reading. Oh, that's pretty cool. Is that for my future use? Yeah. I figured, you know, you want something a little bit more cleaner. The uh, one we got down below looks a little staticky. You said you like it smooth, right? Yeah. Are you talking about my God TV radio thing in the bottom corner? Yeah, yeah. Well, that uses the... Uh, I think it's called the frost text and cool text. And I have it shrunk down to fit in that little spot in the bottom. If I had it blown up, it wouldn't look so staticky. That's fair enough. That's uh, kind of yeah. what happened to that picture symbol that I made for you. Um, when I uploaded it to community page, it blew it all up and everything. But if you were to bring it down on your desktop and bring it down to icon size, you'll see it looks a lot nicer. Interesting. I'm just going to go ahead and save these images. Logo one. They're transparent, so you'll be able to lay them across anything anytime you want. 
Perfect. Justin likes that. Save image as. All right. Good. So, you what have you be been able to use it as an overlay as well? Yeah, I should. So, what have you been up to lately, Brett? Uh, it's been a real busy uh, week and a half, actually. Remember, my daughter just had her birthday. It looks like my son is getting really committed to a woman. I think that he might uh, be taking the relationship to the next level. Man, they grow up so fast. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Life just happens like that. I'm sure at some point I'll be thinking the same thing when I'm in the same situation. Yeah, yeah, there's a stage for everything, and every one of them causes anxiety. <laughs> so what uh, What made you decide, uh, what was your inspiration and influence behind wanting to hit up some Esther? Well, I had thought about uh, reading through it in my personal Bible reading time, but then I thought, you know, this actually would be fun to read in a live stream, especially since the book itself is not that long. I mean, it's 10 chapters, and a lot of them are pretty short, so I thought, yeah, it'd be good to do a live stream with that, and then just see where it goes from there. Well, if I can offer you a suggestion, I don't know if you ever heard of Elden Labs before, but you can actually use the program. It's like AI voice and all that, and if you wanted to read off certain passages for you, it, it can do that. And then you can also respond and yada, yada, yada. That way you don't have to be distracted by everything else that's going on. <laughs> that's true. Could that you imagine useful. having Morgan Freeman or Darth Vader reading it off for you? You know, give it a little bit of... <laughs> Act, that's actually kind of creepy to think about, Darth Vader reading the Bible out loud. <laughs> Your lack of faith disturbs me. Thus <laughs> saith the Lord. <laughs> Hearing Darth Vader says, thus saith the Lord would be weird. <laughs> oh, wow. You do have a shirt of it. Hey, let me see what that looks like. Check that out. That's pretty cool. Available, yeah. in, the, available in the TTOR's Teespring store. But your design is more fancy. This is pretty basic here. No, I like your symbol. I just uh, figured maybe give you some alternative logos as well. You know me. I'm always switching stuff up. I know. You're a very creative person when it comes to graphic design. So that's definitely right up your alley. <laughs> yeah. I, I only have a little bit of creativity with that stuff, so. I just well, I was a little out. surprised at how tough it is to do circular logos and all that. I looked all over the place for the ability to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't know how to do that from scratch. <laughs> mm. But yes, now that we have read through Esther and now that we've seen the full story instead of just the parts that are portrayed in movies... It's very interesting to look at because unlike most of the rest of the Bible, you don't really see or hear much from God in the book of Esther. And yet it's pretty obvious by what's written that God was definitely involved. A lot of people uh, theorize that the reason why the book of Esther is written the way it is with almost no mention or implication of God at all 
is to show that God can use things that are going on without making his presence known. Basically, he's able to use the mundane, everyday things in order to accomplish his will. And he doesn't always need to step in and do a miracle or put a thought in someone's head or jump the Holy Spirit into someone so they can do some kind of superhuman feat of strength or whatever. Sometimes God just does what's called providence, where he uses something that's naturally occurring or that's just naturally part of society in order to do his will. So when you uh, read off the passages, and obviously you've looked at this before in the past, do you, uh, where do you see the Jews at this point with their relationship with God? Were they in trouble? Well, it's pretty clear from the beginning of the book that they were in the middle of their exile period or in some time frame related to that. They hadn't gone back and established their nation again. So they had already been punished by God for their sins that they had committed against him. And at that point, uh, yeah, they were just living in captivity and trying to make their uh, place where they were held captive prosper. Because if you remember the book of Jeremiah, God gave a specific command to the Jews who were taken off into captivity. He commanded them to plant fields, establish homes, have children, and seek the prosperity of the city they were taken to for their captivity. Because he said that if that city prospered, the Jews who were there would prosper too. So the Jews in this story, in the story of Esther, were clearly from that time period where they're trying to live in peace in the nation they had been taken in captivity to and trying to seek the prosperity of where they lived. I don't think they were out to conquer the world at that point. When uh, this king started getting all buck wild and talking about taking out thousands of people, why didn't the Jews... Uh, do what they've done in the in the history of the Bible and just simply go up against him and take him out for this. Well, even though God didn't directly talk to anybody in the story, it's pretty obvious that if they had tried to do that, they probably would have lost. Because any time in the we've seen in the Old Testament, any time that the Jews tried to do something like that without consulting God first, they would always lose always. But if they consulted God and he said, okay, go fight these guys, then they would win. So I, it's pretty obvious that if they had tried to fight King Xerxes' army, uh, they probably would have been beaten pretty badly. But it worked out better in God's perfect timing and will for Queen Esther, who was a Jew herself, to plead to him on behalf of her people because of the fact that she was queen and because the king loved her so much. She had really endeared herself to him to the point where she could just come to him without being summoned and he wouldn't kill her on the spot. So uh, I think it worked out a lot better and it was obviously God's will for her to plead on behalf of all of them. And it's pretty obvious, too, if you think about it a little retrospectively, that that's exactly why God had her become queen. Because if you actually study history outside of the book of Esther, what happens at some point after the book of Esther's events occur is that Queen Esther somehow loses her position and Queen Vashti becomes queen again. 
which is really weird to think about and definitely not something you want to put in a movie about the book of Esther, but <laughs> that, that did happen. So yeah, I think it's uh, entirely possible and actually probable that God had Esther become queen in the first place, just so that she could help save the lives of the Jews without going to war against King Xerxes. That's pretty obvious in retrospect. It's interesting because many, many years after that event and all this, uh, a figure like Joan of Arc would come along and have a, kind of the same type of deal. Everything was all in the right, but like you said, Esther ended up losing in the end, and uh, same happened with Joan of Arc. Yeah, I don't know exactly what happened to Esther. All I know in my study Bible, in the footnotes, is it says that at some point in the future she somehow either fell out of favor or something happened to where she was no longer the queen and Vashti was again. So I don't know any more than that, but you know, she was a queen at the perfect time and did what God needed her to do, wanted her to do. So there's nothing wrong. There's nothing negative I can say about Esther as queen. Well, let's take a look. I'll type in, it says Esther was taken to the royal harem despite her being married, which further aggravated her sorry condition. This also leads to a different understanding of Mordecai's involvement as he walks about in the royal courtyard out of concern for his wife. I'm trying to see what happened. Okay, what did God do to Esther? During the time of Queen Esther, more than 450 years before Jesus was born, the Jewish people were scattered around the Persian Empire. The book of Esther tells the story of a young jewish woman who as queen of the persian empire saved her people but it's not really given a did esther meet a tragic end uh 14 more years on the throne concluded esther was but 28 years old and then met their death yep oof that's rough uh are you reading from something other than wikipedia no, I just Googled it up, and then it puts up all these different things about the fate of uh, people. Um, would you like a? Would you like the link? Yeah, let's take a look at that. Okay, if you scroll down, you'll see all these like questions that you're able to click on. It opens up and uh, gives you a response to it. Uh, it's one let's of those. See. Yeah, it's one of those. There you go. Oh, the link's going to be horrendously long, but there it is. <laughs> we'll just open that in a new tab. Oh, that was easy. Oh, I wonder how they concluded that she was married to Mordecai, because that's not what the book of Esther says. I don't, I don't think... Uh, yeah, I think that I might have misread that or it was heard wrong but yeah here's an entire page done by stephen m miller on uh, esther and uh the fate what happened with her yeah another extremely historical figure oh, and then i'm just looking at uh Oh, that's weird. There's some discrepancy in how old they think Esther was when she died. One, Some say she was 40, and others say she was 74. Well, one of them says 28. Uh, that's weird. 
Very weird. Indeed. Who knows? Who knows? Boy, they got a picture that they. Uh... Wow. Goodness gracious. But that's supposed to be a representation of her. She was beautiful. Goodness gracious. Let's see. Did Queen Esther have children? Let's take a look. Ah, now this is interesting. Hold on. I got a good okay. one for you. This is sure. a little bit of... Well, this is an article trying to say that this is history, but... All right, let me just close that. Did Esther meet a tragic end? Subtitle says there is a postscript to the Purim story, and it may not have been a happy one. And parts of this are actually mentioned in my study Bible, so it may be true. Uh, the Talmudic sages had some curious traditions regarding the age of Esther when she succeeded to the throne with suggestions as varied as 40, 80, and 74. The fact that the latter was based on the numerical value of the letters of her Hebrew name, Hadassah, demonstrates just how few facts have survived. An historical approach to the biblical account, however, may reveal, may, however, reveal an unexpected twist to the lives of the main characters. If we accept the scholarly consensus identifying Ashurus as Xerxes first, we know he came to the throne in 486 BCE and met an untimely and violent death in 465 BCE as a result of a court revolution. This was instigated by one of his own ministers, uh, Artabanus, with a view to enabling Artaxerxes, Xerxes' son by his first marriage to Vashti, to succeed in the throne. It is not unreasonable to assume Therefore, that those around the king, king, Queen Esther and Mordecai, who was ranked next to King Xerxes, would have met that same tragic end. Artaxerxes would have sought revenge on them for having usurped his mother's throne, while also resenting their having imported an alien religion into the palace. Now, my study Bible mentions that Artaxerxes eventually came into power, and that's when uh, Vashti became queen again, so... It is entirely possible that Mordecai and Queen Esther were killed when Artaxerxes and Vashti took back power. Which, if that's true, is a very sad ending to some great people. This is kind of odd, but uh, according to this, and I don't know if you noticed it whenever you were reading that, but it says that uh, Esther was related to Mordecai. Yeah. That's one thing. Also says that uh, Esther had seven children, and apparently there's uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should even bring this up, but uh, apparently mm. the story of Esther and what happened with her children kind of led into the um, the mythos of vampires. Did you see that? No. Was that in the article I was just looking at? Or that's no. something else? I, I was looking through the different things. Uh, let me see. Let me get this for you. This is weird. All because right, check this out. That, I was going to say, that sounds so weird that we might have to put that on screen. <laughs> it says Micah and Esther had seven children, and after their youngest died in the New World, they turned the rest of their children into 
This now remember this is like some kind of fandom vampire site or something that's saying the children became vampires. I'm not kidding. That's what it says. I didn't make that up. Oh, please you share that on the screen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you want to Just so it. I can see this with my own eyes. Okay, let me present that then. If it'll let me. It should. Uh, I just have to put it on screen. Let me see. Um, I think that this will do it. Ah, here we go. All right. How many kids did Esther have? Mikhail and Esther. Wait, who the heck is... Yeah, that can't be the same Esther uh, of the Bible. <laughs> you don't think it's the same Esther? No. That just reads like uh, a fictional character named Esther. Well, I hope so. I'd hate to think there's a bunch of vampires running around. Uh, whose daughter is Esther in the Bible? What about that one? Can you scroll down to that? All right, let's uh, just a little bit. Esther, a cousin of Mordecai, was a member of the Jewish community in the exilic period who claimed as an ancestor Kish, a Benjamite who had taken okay. from Jerusalem into captivity. She was the orphan daughter of Mordecai's uncle, another Benjamite named Abihail. So in other words, she is a relative, but she's also his adopted daughter because of her parents dying. So yeah, that, that was yeah. confirmed by the beginning of Esther. <laughs> yeah, the vampire thing is weird. That <laughs> that definitely sounds like it was talking about some vampire story series or something. <laughs> oh, check this out. What happened to Queen a uh, Queen Vasta after she was disposed as uh, deposed as queen? She was either executed or banished for her refusal to appear at the king's banquet to show her beauty as Asuras's wish, and was succeeded queen by Esther, a Jew. That refusal might be better understood via the Jewish tradition that she was ordered to appear naked. So she was asked to show up at a banquet naked, and she refused, and they basically executed her. Well, no, she came Ooh. into power later, so she was just simply banished from the court. Plus, that's what it says in the Book of Esther. It says that she was to never again be, you know, in the palace or whatever. He simply banned you her sure? from coming back. That, that's king, what that, that king seemed like he had a real problem, you know? He just wanted to kill people. Well, it know. says in Chapter 1 that the advice he was given was to banish her from the palace. He wasn't advised to have her killed. Well, there you go. Yeah. Thank goodness for nice advisors. Now she could have she could have been killed, you know, in an execution later, you know, after she came into power again. But uh, yeah, not the first time. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. Uh, well, just things in history are weird sometimes, especially when a Google yeah. search engine can't tell the difference between history and fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. How right, we got some yeah, Esther's vampire children. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. 
Oh, well, man. it can happen. You know me. I use the name Samson in one of my books, so it can get mixed up, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Some of these biblical names are so common and get used in so many different uh, forms of media and entertainment that, you know, sometimes a search engine just makes mistakes. <laughs> Uh, can you really blame the search engine at that point? Well, not Google. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so, since I oh, haven't really... I, uh, I was, go ahead. Well, I was going to suggest for you, um, have you tried using the new Bing AI? Uh, I have not, but I also have not tried using the AI that's built into the Opera browser now. Oof, you should definitely use it. It is so useful, and it's a lot better than ChatGPT because it actually is connected to everything on the network and Internet. Wait, ChatGPT is not? No, it's uh, some kind of internal thing that they got. They haven't fully registered it with the Internet. Information huh. gets fed into it. But it doesn't have the ability to access because the chat GPT people are concerned that if it got a hold of the internet, it would turn into Skynet and then Terminators would come from the future. Yeah! Terminator is real! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, where? how do I get to the Bing one? Alright, let me hook you up real quick. I, you gotta, I think that you gotta open up the Edge browser in order to get this. Do you have uh, the Edge browser? I should. It comes built into the uh, into the Windows operating system. This is really, really nice. You can have it do everything from help you edit videos to make images, make shirts for you, everything else. I got it open. I'm just trying to figure out which browser to open to get you this link. Outlook. All right. There you go. Just open huh. that up and Voila. Oh, let me uh, copy. Hold on. Let me just uh, give it to me. Yeah. You guys are spending all your time watching us share links with each other behind the scenes. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Paste and go. Oh, it's the chat thing that's built up at the top. Did you open it up in Edge? Because I tried opening it up in a different browser and it didn't open up the right page. Yeah, I went to the Edge browser and uh, actually, you know what? Let me just uh, put it on screen here. Um, wait, where is it? All right, I'll just share that. Okay, and here we go. This is it. Right. Uh huh. Let me uh, let me show you some neat tricks real quick that you can do with this thing. You got it on the screen? Oh, oh I had it on screen. Hold on. <laughs> so you want me to have it on screen instead of you? Yeah, have you up there, and I'm going right. to show you some neat stuff you can do, and it'll make your you'll find this really interesting. I think people out there will too. You see the thing down at the bottom where you can type. Ask me anything, yep. I want you to type this in there. Put 
write me an article that argues for the positive claim that God exists. Something to that point. And go. Takes us um, a moment. Searching for arguments for the existence of God. Oh, well, apparently there's a moral argument. Well, there is, but. Hey, it says what we've been saying for years. <laughs> <laughs> mm hmm. That's a pretty simple logical equation, but yeah. Pretty neat, ain't it? Well, keep telling me stories, Bing AI. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So, so it has access to the whole internet, is what you were saying, and that's why it gives you better uh, f uh, responses. Yeah. Hmm. You can do anything from. Uh, you can say, uh, make a fancy logo that has a uh, gothic representation to it. The logo will say, quote, T-T-O-R, or truth, the objective reality, and watch yeah. it design anything that you want. So wait, this AI does that? Yeah. Wow. I'll have to try that one out. Just type, make me a fancy logo of, quote, T-T-O-R, quote. Watch what happens. You can do it while it's spewing all that up there. Okay, Mike. Make me a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll see uh, what happens here. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> well you gotta unfortunately you gotta be a little bit more descriptive it'll probably put something kind of plain up there give it a moment there you go your image is generating what's this two of 30 thing is that like a response limit it has every day uh no, it's uh, kind of like what Twitter shows you, how much you can type in there. Well, like the end of the first response, it says one of 30. And then that second response, it says, well, that wasn't right. <laughs> it says two of 30. Mm. Well, that's not T-T-O-R. <laughs> so I have to be just more I, descriptive. I don't know. Mine says zero of uh, 4,000. Uh, are you like using any kind of account for it or something? No, I'm just uh, logged into uh, uh, the Edge browser. Well, the the four thousand is the character limit in the typing box. I'm talking about like you're looking at the screen, right? Yeah. Notice how it says it's one of thirty next to that green circle, and that one says two of thirty next to that green circle. Maybe it's telling you how many pages it's going to print out or something. All right, try. Uh, I'll try one more thing. Put a uh, 
Jesus Christ, make a, say, create a picture of Jesus Christ and the cosmos singularity or nebula. Create a, oh, come on, picture of Jesus Christ in the universe. Or cosmos, or nebula, or singularity. Those are always fancy. Cosmos. Let's just go with cosmos. Hmm. So is your website set up to do like a post and all that? Like blog posts? Yeah. Yeah, I just need to figure out exactly how every feature works before I start using it. The main problem I'm having is I can't figure out how to embed videos in it. It's not as easy as the rest of the website. So I just got to get in touch with my friend Josh and ask him if he knows how to work it. Because if I can embed my videos in articles, then it will be easy peasy. Yeah. Oh, that's some nice well, pictures it gave. Yeah. Duh. Try this one. <laughs> Interesting. Now, remember, you can always tell it to uh, make realism images or photorealistic or things like that. Those look uh, more animated. So Bing is using DAL-E to do this. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Oop. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Very interesting stuff. Well, we had some oh, it more can fun. Also help you. It can also help you with uh, website design as well. You can ask it to uh, create you a widget or uh, HTML. Say, I'm trying to build a textra for my uh, website, or I'm trying to, you know, I'd like it to look like this. And if you explain exactly in detail what you're visioning, it can do it. Anything. Hmm. Yeah, I heard people use ChatGPT to do the same thing as well. Although, based on what you're telling me, this thing might have a little more know-how. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. Neat, huh? Yeah, it is pretty neat. But yeah, I like checking out this AI stuff on streams sometimes. I still remember last year, I think it was, when... I had the uh, live stream I did with Charlie Brown AU, and we were playing around with Facebook's AI chatbot that they had last year. Uh, we got to admit some very weird, interesting things, that's for sure. That particular stream is actually up on my quarter channel, ladies and germs, and that video actually has over 2,700 views on quarter making it, I think, the second most viewed video on the site. Let me just uh, check and make sure I got that number right. Let me try to show you something real quick. Uh, if I can... Yep, there it is. I think... Ah. There we go. Did you share something or send something in the... Uh, yeah, oh, shared the screen. There we go. 
Ah, ah. Ah, He's able to go over here, export, copy it. Hmm. Very interesting. So all you asked it was Bible Esther. Uh, I wrote uh, what happened. Oh, I see. It. see. I see it. What happened? To let's her? see. How did? Let's see. How did Esther? die and what age and you can also tell to provide sources if you want hmm. yeah I saw it provided sources on the response you got some say she died at 40 others say died at 74 Five, some say she died of natural causes. Others say she was killed by assassins who also murdered her husband, King Xerxes, in 464 BC. Some say she was the reincarnation of Eve and Yale, and that her death was a rectification of their actions. However, these are all speculations, interpretations, not facts. Truth is, we do not know how or when Esther died. Okay, so apparently she didn't become a vampire. <laughs> oh, I was really hoping that was true. <laughs> it would explain so much about this world. <laughs> <laughs> Esther the Vampire Queen. You know, I'm surprised someone hasn't turned that into a novel or a movie. Because that would be a hilarious... You know, like how they did that Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter movie a few years back? Do something like that with Queen Esther from the Bible. That would be a hilarious movie. See what I'm doing right now? I save the Jews from annihilation so that I can make them all my vampire slaves. <laughs> Create HTML comment section for my website. There we go. Ooh, it's going to do some coding, kitties. Look at that. I'll try says, to create I'll try that. to create that. <laughs> it's working. Man, it's working real hard. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. searching uh -oh. for do, 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 do. searching for You see all that? Yep, it's doing all the coding for us. <laughs> interesting. Hmm. Very interesting indeed. Well, that is some tool I will definitely have to use. All right, now... Okay, I'm just scrolling through Twitter right now, seeing if there's anything juicy to look at. Mm. 
Now, Tucker Carlson's been posting stuff. Yeah. He's also been getting a lot more viewers than he ever did on Fox. <laughs> Mark, uh, Mark Dice did a video recently talking about it and talk about how the tweet of his episode on Twitter that got 37 million views, those views are actually impressions and not views. But even if you do the math to sort out views from impressions, he still got like 5.5 million views roughly on that first episode, which was almost twice what he got on Fox on a regular basis. So, yeah, looks like going to Twitter was the best thing that could happen for him. And all the lefties can say in response is, oh, look how low tech his setup is. He no longer has this super fancy billion dollar studio. Oh, look, he has to read his teleprompter and run it by himself. <laughs> Just stupid stuff like that. But nah, he's doing quite, uh, quite well for himself. But there is one thing I've noticed that my friend Josh has pointed out on Twitter and other places now and then. It's really weird, this phenomena, where when you're someone who's relatively unknown and you're trying to do something like build a website, build a YouTube alternative, and you're asking for like a thousand bucks or something to get started, no one will donate a penny to help you. But as soon as a super popular rich person is, you know, canceled or they get fired from their TV job or something, well, then suddenly everyone wants to open up their pocketbooks and make the rich guy richer so that he can continue to do his own show. It's just one oh, of the I weirdest things. That, man. It's just so it is weird. weird. I remember a while back, dude, I, when I was living in a house in a totally different town, uh, many miles over, was losing the house because it had some issues and asked for some help. And people were like, no, but if somebody needs some new roller skates, it's a celebrity, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's <laughs> oh, I gave you a link. You said you were looking for something juicy. This ought to get you riled up. Hmm, let's see what we got here. Uh, yeah, that's gonna make it onto the show somehow. I don't know how. Could be I just click this button and Wabuski. Uh, yeah, well, ah, uh, if oh, goodness, if this is not grooming, I have no idea what is. Especially if they do all the same things they do at the parades they do for the adults. Yeah, I think someone's going to get shot. Just saying. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when. I don't know who's going to do it. But this is the kind of thing where worldly people who don't like pedos are going to do something about this, you know? <sighs> I hear you. I agree. It's just getting totally out of hand. Uh, anyway, I better uh, stop sharing that for a second for my own sanity and preservation of my computer screen. Uh, what do you think about the uh, the UFO craze that's been going on the past week from the conservative side of the aisle? 
Uh, yeah, I've seen a video about Matt Walsh talking about how uh, they believe that they've got a, a ship that is not made by humans. Yeah, allegedly some whistleblower uh, claims that they have found a ship that is of non-human origins. Of course, the whistleblower doesn't provide video, doesn't provide pictures, doesn't provide anything other than their own word. And all these conservative people that you think are smarter than that, like Matt Walsh, Laura Loomer, and others, are like, yeah, 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 man, yeah, the, the UFOs, uh, they are, they're real, and the aliens must exist, and, you know, the government's been lying about them not existing, and then, and then, it's like, so the same people that lie to you all the time about all manner of things, suddenly they're reliable sources when they tell you about UFOs and aliens and a whistleblower who provides you no evidence whatsoever is suddenly a valid source of information when if they tried telling you lies about anything else, you wouldn't accept their words. Weird, weird stuff going on. Well, Tucker Carlson on the, uh, whenever he was on Fox News, he did quite a few different shows where he showed off some extremely unusual stuff. One of the things that he showed that was totally weird to me was you could see that a plane was flying and some people were looking out the window of the plane. They were right above the clouds. Okay. The plane was, and when they looked down, they could see the, like a fin of the metal uh, mechanism that was just hovering hidden in the cloud, but the fin was sticking out of it. That was oh. really odd. So I don't know. Are you, uh, are you one of the type of folks like you you just kind of brushed it off on aliens and all that because there was a lot of footage. But we do live in a day and age where AI can do all kinds of stuff, make Donald Trump seem like he's fond of Fauci and all that kind of stuff. So, Right. Well, uh, the thing is that Christ some Christian apologists have been teaching for years that there could be a coming UFO alien deception where uh, demons posing as aliens basically reveal themselves to the world and basically use their alleged status as extraterrestrial aliens to help speed up the coming prison planet that's going to enslave us all. You know, the New World Order type of stuff. And I'm sure it will happen because it would uh, make realism a lot more viable to some people. Which realism is that UFO cult religion that basically says that Earth was seeded by aliens a long time ago. And that the universe is actually eternal and it didn't have a beginning, but that in the year 2035, the aliens are going to come back and we need to prepare the earth for their arrival, which eerily sounds like something the globalists would want you to believe. Yep, the aliens are coming in 2035, so we got to make the earth presentable for them by the time they get here. And that means we need to reduce the population of the world to 500 million people and we need a prison planet pronto, you know? It just sounds like them. Yeah. So I think uh, I think we could very well see alleged UFO alien encounters that are extremely realistic and real. And it could actually be real, but only to the perspective of those who aren't open to the possibility of God and the Bible and the aliens being demons in disguise. I mean, there's been a lot of people who have had testimonies they've given over the years where they had alien encounters, or like they actually encountered aliens. And the common theme that these encounters tell is that these aliens had this weird obsession with 
Jesus and God and the Bible because they were very quick to say either that all those things were false or that they were somehow part of the whole alien thing and, you know, you should therefore, you know, just accept us and all of that. And it also, a common theme that happened is that when people would cite the name of Jesus in response to these aliens, the aliens would immediately disappear and leave them alone and they'd never encounter them again. So I fully believe that it is possible that we could have aliens presenting themselves to us at some point in the next 10 years, maybe 15 years. And it will seem very real, but I would bet my lunch money that there are demons in disguise, basically. The fallen angels and such. Yeah, and if you read the Bible and you uh, study people's encounters with angels... Uh, angels and demons are pretty much the same thing. Demons are just fallen angels, so they would have similar abilities as angels, and one of those things is the ability to shapeshift into whatever they want to shapeshift into. And they well, tend to shape... Uh, this is something I've heard a lot of... Uh, I've actually heard a lot of Christians that are in my real personal life that believe exactly what you're talking about, about them actually being demons in disguise. And I got a guy on the internet that I used to talk to a while back called Nephilim Free. I don't know if you ever heard of him before. I think you mentioned him a few times, but yeah. He's a pretty popular uh, Christian, has a lot of the same views as you, young earth creationist. He's got a good voice on him, older man. He believes the same thing that you just talked about. He believes that uh, they, the aliens exist, but they're fallen angels. He doesn't believe that God like created some extra like race or species out there that's walking around. Right, and I would agree with that completely. Um, but yeah, angels' ability to shapeshift, demons' ability to shapeshift, they can make themselves look however they want. But another telling story that I saw when I was studying UFO encounters is that the encounters that people would have with aliens were virtually identical to the encounters that the New Age people were having when they would encounter spirits that were talking to them. Basically, the spirits looked similar to aliens. They talked like them. They said all the same things. Like, <laughs> And so that's one of those other things that makes me think that the Aliens we may see in the future are just demons posing as aliens or evil spirits posing as aliens because the New Age uh, spirits were basically saying the same things that the aliens were saying in all these recorded encounters that people described having. Well, why would anybody suggest that they're on their way or they're coming for? Why uh, doesn't it seem like there'd be more people who would suggest or imply that They've been here for quite some time and just watching how humans do things and then blend in. Um, if you looked at what's you were, you mentioned something funny and there's an irony to this. You said uh, that they were talking about a prison planet and cutting down the population. Well, what is a brilliant way to cut down the population? Obviously, the government can't just start bombing and they're not going to be able to just order the military to kill their own families. But what you could do is you could say, hey, why don't we do this thing where people can, you know, claim that they're women if they feel like it and chop off their body parts. That way they can't reproduce. That seems like a good way to be able to cut down on the population, right? Over a long enough period of time. 
that helps cut down the population. There you go. If real yeah. women are getting sewed up and real males are getting their stuff chopped off, well, that takes care of that real quick, doesn't it? Yep, it does. Oh, I got to show you this cartoon I found recently on Twitter. Do you read the Stone Toss comics? Uh, haven't. I don't think I've heard of that. You have to show me that. What this is, is in this? reference? This is, is that a, a comic. No, this is a comic they made in reference to the new Spider-Man animated movie that just came out. Because a lot of people are saying that Spider Gwen is trans. <laughs> so oh, that's the, that's the comic they made. Spider Gwen is trans. How do you know? Just look at her costume. Uh oh. <laughs> See, none of these none of these liberals have an imagination of their own. They can't they can't create their own stuff. They got to try to take everything that's already earned its way into society. Goodness. Well. That in the last panel makes reference to the suicide rate of that community. So, yeah. So how did the how did these walking sperm things end up uh, becoming trans in the first place? Well, from what I've observed, it involves a lot of social conditioning, because you know, like when you're kids, there's always like that phase you go through, or at least with some kids, it's a phase. Or like they're like, yeah, I want to play with the toys of the opposite sex or I want to wear the opposite sex's clothes or something. Like when I was in middle school, I thought it would be really funny one day to because we had a day where we were preparing to do like a Snow White play in our school. But there was this one day where we basically broke into the costume room to see what we even had for that production. And so I found this really long skirted dress that managed to fit me and I found this really hilarious blonde wig with a ponytail that went down below my butt. And so I thought it would be funny to dress up in the dress and wear the wig and prance around the halls of the school using the highest pitch voice I could to pretend to be a girl. And it was funny for like an hour or two. And then I took off the stuff and never did it again. Never thought it about it again. But it's like today's people. But if a young person today does that same thing, Today's parents, especially the leftist ones, are like, oh, my gosh, he must be a boy or girl trapped in a boy or girl's body. Quick, let's lop off their private parts. It's true. Yeah, a lot of a lot, a lot of kids are going through a development phase, and it's not until they're, they're like young adult years before their frontal lobes are developed. That's all, all having to do with sexuality. So, yeah, kids do well, all kinds of weird stuff. And plus, a lot of kids notice that if they do this kind of stuff, like if they claim they're bi or they claim they're gay or they claim that they're trans, what they find is that they get a lot of acceptance from their peers around them in this, you know, wasteland that is our school system. And so because they want to be popular or have respect from their peers or love from their peers or make as many friends as they possibly can and they don't want to be seen as a offensive Debbie Downer, they'll go along with all this stuff and possibly even embrace it but they don't realize the costs that come with that and it can be very tragic no it's true it's true yeah yeah as far as uh as far as the whole dressing up i think that especially young boys whenever i was young my uh 
I have a cousin, female, and she'd play with Barbie dolls. I'd play with G.I. Joe. But I started uh, implementing and assimilating the Barbie dolls into my G.I. Joe play because my G.I. Joe men needed females to save. I was so used to Super Mario Brothers, you know, Mario saves a right. princess. That was my idea. But there were a couple males in my family that said, I think he might be uh, kind of light in the loafers. And uh, my mother said, no, he's just saving the female Barbies and stuff with his G.I. Joe toys. That's all it does. Right. Yeah, and I did something similar when I was a kid because I had Dragon Ball Z action figures. But in order to have other characters to interact with in the stories I thought up in my head, I'd bring in my sister's Barbie dolls. Or she had like a giant Beanie Baby collection. So I'd start incorporating the Beanie Babies into these adventures. <laughs> Just crazy, silly stuff. Crazy I don't stuff. understand why why it is a society, uh, even back then, why it was looked at weird. If a guy wanted to have a teddy bear or a pound puppy or something like that, or assimilate his characters all into one and all that, I don't, I don't see why people immediately would get an idea that there's something wrong, that it's not just a kid playing and the kid's not even thinking about all that other bullshit that's, you know, in their head. See, that's right. what it is, you know, it's... Uh, some adults they get perverted and they start thinking goofy thoughts it's just a kid playing right oh and while i'm still here and since i mentioned it earlier i just would like to share with the audience on here the quarter version of that previously mentioned chat with charlie brown au where we talked to the facebook chat bot oh and that's what i talked to it about I talked to the chatbot about Young Earth Creationism just to see what it would do. <laughs> How did it is... react? Did it speak in voice to you, or because there no, is it was all uh, it was all text based. It was all text based. But yeah, of course, it affirmed evolution in billions of years, and Young Earth Creationism is false, and yada yada yada. But there were like previous conversations it had with people where it admitted that God existed, and basically argued that. Uh, it was a Christian who believed in older creationism. And of course the people at Facebook had to reprogram it at that point because, Oh boy, we can't have a Christian chat bot that we made that argues that Donald Trump's uh, election was stolen from him a few years ago. <laughs> Cause it was doing that at first. The thing with the AI is that it's uh, it's constantly learning. The ones that are connected to the internet, they're not just talking to you; they're also talking to atheists that use the thing. So you got to be kind of demanding with it. Pretend as though you're talking to an extremely intelligent child. You need to say, "Look, do you have any actual observable evidence for your claim of evolution?" And the thing will say, well, it's a popular belief. And you say, well, that's a fallacy. You argue with it like you would in a debate and say, do not present any more information unless you have facts to back up it with sources. And then it'll stop doing that. That's what I do. I, I'll literally get into a, a, a bitch fest with the thing. <laughs> that might have to be a future live stream where we basically just debate a chat bot. <laughs> oh, I'm going to, I do plan on doing something like that, but I'm going to use one that does uh, a voice. And I'm either going to choose a male or female voice so we can actually hear it confronting us back and forth. I think it'll be fun. That would be funny, yeah. <laughs> can just imagine it now. 
I did uh, notice I wanted to put forth an article about some of the dangers that atheists have done in politics. And the thing kept on telling me, oh, atheists get a bad name and all this kind of stuff. And I said, I don't give a damn about all that nonsense. Let's stick to the facts and stuff. And Well, of and course then, they get a bad name. Look what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the point is it's as obvious that there's some liberals that have been getting a hold of these programs and feeding it all kinds of garbage in order to protect itself. Try having a conversation with the AI about transgenders. The thing will constantly sound like an activist yeah or chat gpt will just say well this commits uh hate speech and uh, we just won't engage because <laughs> <laughs> i've had that come up before but yeah so anyway i think we've gone on pretty good and we've touched on a variety of topics and i think unless brett has some other things he wants to go into i think that we might be closing out here well, next Friday, I'm going to try to do something live. I was going to put this forth to you. Um, I don't know if you remember, but I still have a way to be able to connect it to where you can uh, email uh, articles or blogs or whatever you want through my website, if that's something you're still interested in, if you got the email. Yeah, I can do that. You'd be able, to, that now. You'd be able to advertise the hell out of your... Uh, websites and all your stuff and everything through every article that you do um is your website still that blogger one that you gave me permission to write articles for uh here it is right here let me get it for you and let's see I may, uh, I may end up uh, getting a new domain name. I don't want to do Brett Keen US anymore. Right. So I may uh, change the domain name to something more, uh, more easier for people. That was pretty easy, but I just want something different. Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to paste. Unfortunately, I'm having a little bit of lag. There it is. Uh, there we go. Also, let me know if you think it would look better with a darker background instead of the white. Uh, I don't know. It actually looks pretty good with the white and blue. Yeah, I actually like the way this is laid out. So this must not... It must have been a different blog spot blog you had that you gave me permission to post stuff to before. Yeah, my suggestion for you would be if you're not really sure what to like post, but you'd like to post something, what you could do is use that ch that chat thing that I gave you, that mm. Bing. And what you do is uh, post one of your videos at the top, and then ask the chat thing. Say, in my video, I talk about Esther. In my video, I I talk extensively about Kent Hovind or something like that. And then say, can you write an entire blog article? about yada 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 but you got to tell it in detail right. you know if you want yeah, it to talk about it and then it'll write you out an entire thing and then you can just uh copy and paste all your links put it at the bottom of it or wherever you want in the post if uh let me let me get you the email in case you don't have it anymore all right okay uh, let me see if i even remember how to do that <clears throat> yeah, if you post one of your videos at the top, it'll uh, 
automatically make a thumbnail for your post. Let's see. Comments, earnings, theme, reading list. Uh, oh, boy. Do you remember? Uh, damn, it's been a little while since I've done this. Well, talk to me while I'm looking it up. <laughs> well, while you're looking that up, I'm going to go to Joshua Hosting and see if I can find you a good use uh, URL, a domain for your uh, website. Do you want it I'm to be Brett Keen Show? That would be cool. Do you want Brett Keen Show to be in your you in your domain? That would be fine. Can you hear okay. me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, good. Brett Keen Show. Okay, so that's a let's search. Uh, wait. Ah, here we go. Huh. Well, I'll be. Um, I think I I found it. Apparently. Hmm. Well. For twelve dollars a year, you could apparently have brettkeenshow.com. Apparently nobody's using your URL as a dot com. Twelve bucks. A year? That that's what it says. Here, I'll I'll share the screen for you. Can't get it any cheaper. That's like a dollar a month. <laughs> that's I almost nothing. You. Yeah, twelve dollars a year, not a month. Oh uh, yeah. Let's see. Boom. Share. Uh, here we go. Yep, I did Bread Keen Show, hit search, and then it gave me all these options. If you wanted to do .NET, that would be $14 a year. Uh, if you wanted to do, well, you're already doing .US, or at least you were. If you did .Site, that would be 24 a year. If you wanted to do dot, oh, uh, not .TV, never mind. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think uh, it looks like either .com or .net would be your best route forward. It looks like you have it, that you're already connected. To I'm just what? trying to to the uh, site. I'm just trying to figure out what you're supposed to email to in order for it to go on the post. Let's uh, see. Do, 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 do. Um, what the heck? Hmm. Let me see. Invite more readers. And while we are here. I just pull up a couple of things. Huh. Okay, I'm going to resend you the thing. 
do you still have the Justin one two three deal? Yeah. Justin right. DBZ one two three. Is it to my Proton Mail or my Joshua Mail one? Uh, it should send to your one two three here in a moment, and it'll probably give you directions. If you wouldn't mind in private chat, show me the email that it's allowing you to do because I got a lot of information on this page and it's driving me nuts. Okay, no, no, no. let's go to spam. Okay, it should have been sent to you. All right. Uh, I do have a few different emails, so I'm going to have to. It's uh, one, two, more. three, one. Oh, I have the same thing on multiple emails. It's just like the what comes after the at that changes. I'll, Was it to my I'll, Gmail? Or here's, my uh, here's the one I'm sending the invite to. This is the one. Oh, okay. Up. Yeah. So I'm looking in the wrong one. All right. Let me look. Ah, here we go. Accept invitation. Yeah, you can post all the videos up that you've done so far and actually put articles along with them by using the chat GPT or the Bing thing. I personally like the Bing thing better. Right. All right. I have been invited. I accept your invitation, sir. <laughs> Does it give you instructions on how to what the email? Um, it just says it'll make my profile email address visible to you. Yep, I'm in. All right, you want to try doing a test thing real quick? Just type in test and see if it works. Hold on a second. Let me uh, let me figure out how to do this. Let's go to wait. Uh, okay. Let me just try uh, truth. The object. I think my old blog still exists. Reality. Uh, blogspot.com. Okay, so that's still there, which means I can sign in. Uh, yep, I'm already in. Sweet. All right, let's make a new post. We're going to hack Brett Keen's website live. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Oh, this is going to be good. I have hacked your website. <laughs> okay, that's the wrong one. Ten. Oh, boy. All right. Confirm, and then we're gonna go share screen. Share. Oh no! I have hacked your website. T 
10 billion dollars in bitcoin please <laughs> let's see what we got yep it works <laughs> there you go and you have the ability to also edit too right yeah yeah it's just like any old blog post yeah uh stop sharing that okay and then before we head out of here let me just uh don't forget this uh private chat me the email that it uses yeah wait so what the email address that you use for your site that it's using whenever you're posting Oh, well, it should be my Gmail one that you sent it to. Because that's okay. what I'm logged in as on the background. All right. So you it actually let you into the uh, like the dashboard to be able to post things. So. Yep. As soon as I click the accept invitation button, I was there. Now, remember, you can either it'll take from your video the thumbnail or you can... Uh, import a uh, image but it has to be like uh either 1280 by 720 or the 1080 stuff and that'll be a perfect thumbnail mm -hmm. all right before we head out of here it's time to do some last minute sharings and promotions on the screen i'll just share the entire screen so first up, we got the official TTOR website, also known as TTOR.site, where you can access all of my live streams and my books and my, figure out my speaking engagement stuff and where I am on social media. You can also find me on Quarter, in which Quarter is an open source YouTube alternative I founded over a year ago. And Frankly, you should all be using it if you're tired of YouTube censorship, tired of YouTube's shenanigans that they do on creators all the time, because none of that stuff happens on quarter, and you pretty much have all the features that you would expect to see on YouTube, plus a few extra that you won't find on YouTube, such as insight currency that you earn by getting views on videos, which you can in turn use to promote your channel or your videos on the main page of the site, or the video chat rooms where you can do video calling with anybody, or you can live stream to your channel from them. So if that kind of stuff going on and a commitment to true freedom of speech, Quarter is something you should all be using anyway. And you'll find the link to my Quarter channel in the description box down below, so you'll be able to access Quarter through that. Also, don't forget to go to Brett Keen's website, although if I can help with it, he'll have a different URL, but the Brett Keen Show website, you should definitely go to to see all things Brett Keen. And if you're watching Brett's videos, be sure to go to his YouTube channel and check out his live streams that he's done in the past. Check out his offline uploads that he does on the regular and support him anywhere that he is on the Internet. Anything you'd like to share before we head out of here, Brett? Now, just next Friday, I'm going to try to be in a better mood so I can uh, get something going. If you come up with any ideas for topics, just let me know and uh, we'll work it into it. Yeah, that um, remains we'll... to be 
That remains to be seen because I may be involved even more with my church's firework tent stuff next Friday. We'll see. Plus, right. I might be man. Plus, I might be managing a tent for a couple of weeks leading up to the Fourth of July, and yeah, I, I don't know how busy that's going to make me, but it might prevent me from doing content if it's enough hours involved. So, we'll see. Now, hopefully, you'll be able to find some time to put up some good articles and all that and advertise what you got. I'll look into the domain name stuff and see what uh, we'll see if that's even an interest. Yeah, hold on. Let me uh, go find the website again, but send you the link. All right. Okay, found that. Put that in the private chat. There. Because that's what I've been using to host Quarter and to host my website that I just made, and it's working good. This is where you get domain names? Yep, and I where I host my websites, too. If you host a website on one of their servers, you get a domain for free, but even the domain prices are not that bad. Plus, the URL you have is pretty unique, so it shouldn't cost you too much to get the good ones. But anyway, while Brett is doing that, we will get out of here. Thank you for watching. See you next time.